Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness, that through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the Creator more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their sin, lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implicable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. Help us, Lord, to understand you a little bit better today as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's an amazing thing to me. When I look at our world situation, uh, you can pick any topic, and there are passionate people on both sides. So let's just pick abortion. Um, hopefully all of us would say, you know, there's a baby involved here and, um, you know, abortion's not right. But there's another side that's just as passionate about women's rights, saying, hey, you know, a woman has a right to her own body. And so we think about that and, 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 these, and the people that, that think that way are very, very passionate. And we've, and we've seen a lot of that, you know, at, you know, all kinds of protests going on right now. And we, you, and you probably have talked to people about this, and you talk, and they talk, and it's just like a logjam. There's nothing going on, between, and there's no change in everybody because everybody's so passionate about it. And, and, you know, and, we, and we can take another situation about gun, guns, right? You know, while we should take away everybody's guns or we should... Everybody should have every gun and gun they want, right? And, and there's all kinds of issues going on there. And, you know, personal rights versus protecting those that are vulnerable, you know, and not letting, you know, so there's a whole balance of issues there. And when I think about that, there's like both sides are very passionate about what they're, they're talking about. And, and again, I could con- continue going down the list and we all could do this. 
And the issue is, what's right? Right? What's right? And I think what happens is, our thinking has to be consistent with the Word of God. Right? And so, the question I have, and the question I want to go through today is, why is there so much, and, and the Bible uses the word foolish, so I, I, that's good as any other word, foolish thinking going on today. Why is there so much foolish thinking going on today that we can't come to agreement on some of these major issues? And, you know, it, what, what's right is right. God's word is, is, is such that, you know, you can't call something that's wrong right. It's either right or wrong. And so, when we talk about abortion, it's either right or wrong, right? There's no in-between, okay? And so um, we have to understand what causes this foolish thinking. So today, what I want to talk about is the cause of foolish thinking, the consequence of foolish thinking, and the correction of foolish thinking. How do we correct it? Because, you know, we want to, that's where our goal is, to correct foolish thinking, Right, and and we think you know it can't be done, but the Word of God says it can be. So let's let's look at look, let's start out. We're looking at the the cause of foolish thinking. So uh, hopefully, you're, if you're Romans chapter one verse nineteen, so let's look at the the cause of foolish thinking. So it, in Romans chapter one verse nineteen, it says, "Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them." So God has showed it to us. And how did he do that? From verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So the Bible teaches, and and I I've, I've, mean, you know, I think any believer would, would understand this, is that when we look at creation, what God made, okay, when we look at creation, what God made, God has revealed himself in creation. There is a designer in creation. And, and this word creation could also be looked at as history. And we can also look back at history and we can see God working throughout history. Um, and we know that if you study our history during the Revolutionary War, Civil War, and so forth, World War II, um, and we could have a whole series of sermons on that to see how God worked through history. I mean, the great, one great example was, you know, the Battle of Brooklyn when Washington was up there and um, the uh, British had him beat. All of a sudden, a fog came in. They got boats and they were across the Hudson River and they escaped. They should have been wiped out. At the Battle of Yorktown, at the end of the Revolutionary War, guess what happened? The, flo- the British did the same thing, and the fog lifted, and they got caught, and they had to surrender, right? Is there a consequence? You know, what happened there? God was working through history. And so it says that God, through creation, through what he made, and through history, we can understand God's eternal power and Godhead. And that word eternal power would be everlasting power, mighty strength, capacity, ability to create. So we know there's a God. Right, and that word Godhead could also be translated divine nature, n- divine nature, or the characteristics pertaining to deity. Obviously, when you look at the size of our universe, 
and you look at microscopic things, and you look at all things, and you see the design and the creation and the way God made man and the way God made animals and all the things that God made, it's clear that there's a divine nature that God made all this stuff. Now, we're also fortunate that we have additional revelation that through Jesus Christ, that we know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Word of God. So, this is saying, even if somebody has never heard of Jesus, they should know that there's a God. That through creation and through history, you should know that there's a God. Now, we have Jesus Christ, and Jesus said, what did He say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Me. Uh, you may know Me. You, you, you have known Me. Yea, you should have known My Father also. From henceforth you know Him and have seen Him. And that's John 14. So we know about God through Jesus Christ. So it says here that we know God. Now, look what else it says in the end of verse 21. They are without excuse. Is there any excuse for somebody to say there's no God? God doesn't exist. They might not know specifically about Jesus Christ because somebody hasn't shared the gospel with them yet. But, there's no excuse for not knowing that there's a God through creation and history. Mostly creation, but also history. And God working ongoing through creation, uh, which is history. So, there's no excuse. Now, here's where the faulty thinking comes in. Look at verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. So, What's the proper response for knowing about God? It says right here in verse 21, we want to glorify God we want to, and, and thank God. And hopefully as a believer, when you pray, you should be on a lot of your prayer, most of your prayer should be what? Glorifying God. I mean, you look at the Lord's Prayer and it's all glorifying God. And then after you do that, what do you do? You thank God. And that's what prayer in our relationship to God should be focused mainly on what? Glorifying God and thanking God. I mean, yeah, we come to God with a bunch of prayer requests, but I love it when God answers a prayer and we what? We glorify Him and then we thank Him. And that's what prayer is all about, right? That's the main focus on prayer. And so what happened is, even if you don't know specifically about God, you should see God through creation and you should be glorifying God and, and you should be thanking God. But what happened? They didn't do it. And so what they didn't do is they didn't thank God or glorify God. And then verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Okay, all of a sudden now, these people that become, they want to be wise become fools. And why? Because they didn't glorify and thank God and they didn't see God. And so now what happens is, because they're not glorifying and thanking God for what he did, they're starting to become foolish. And that's where you have people that come in with like, oh, there's no God, there's just evolution. Right? And you can pick whatever topic you want to pick. Right? There's evolution. Right? They start becoming fools. Then what happens is, and you can see this, this happening here, um, um, then what happens in verse uh, 23, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God 
into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So what happens? Because they don't want to worship God, they become foolish and they want to worship something else. Right? Now, we all sort of laugh when we think of people worshiping an idol. Right? We think, okay, they used to worship the sun and the moon, you know, and they had these grotesque statues that they would worship, right? Uh, But we do the same thing. Think about COVID. As a nation, what do we worship? Science, right? We look to science for the answer for COVID. How many many days of prayer and fasting do we have over COVID as a nation to say, God, have mercy on us. Heal us. I don't remember. I think President Trump tried to do it once, and, but it wasn't really very much at all. We relied on science. Okay, we need, we need, we need a, 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 a miracle cure. We need a shot, right? And make everybody get the shot, right? We didn't trust God. And so what happens is, um, I think we don't have, you know, we don't go worship the sun, but we worship science. And again, I think science is great. I mean, I, my whole job as an engineer was science. Jonathan and Josh are majoring in science. Science is a great area to study. But we have allowed science to become an idol. Right? And again, there's other things too. Um, again, I mentioned evolution. Um, evolution has become an idol. Right? And so we have idols today. They might not be the sun and we're more sophisticated, although we think we are, we're really not. We think we're more sophisticated and we worship science. We worship evolution and all these other steps. So we do the same thing. So what, but, 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 but what's the cause of that? The cause is that they did not glorify and thank God and recognize God in creation. And so because of that, they replaced God with something else, science maybe, or something else. And now we worship that. And so what, that's what he's saying here. Um, and then verse 23, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So think about this. We have the image of God. Just think of how beautiful the image of God in, in Genesis. In the beginning was the word. and, and the, uh, no, that's, that's John. Uh, but in Genesis, it talks about how God took this earth that was formless, right? And the spirit was going across and then God spoke, which was the word, which is Jesus Christ. The whole triune gods in creation, God created all these beautiful things, made the world perfect and obviously sin came in and it's not perfect today. Made this perfect world, um, put man in there and how beautiful that is. And then when we look at this and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image. And now we just say, well, it evolved. Random things just sort of went together and they evolved. That's exactly what this does. It took the image of the incorruptible God and made it into, into a corruptible thing of just like, you know, random, you know, they took science and they took statistics and they say, if you take billions of years and you take billions of trials, I can throw a bunch of molecules together and out pops something, right? You know, and, and we all know that's crazy, but... That's exactly what they did. They took the image of the incorruptible God, the beautiful story of creation, 
and made it into something that was like just corruptible. Okay, so that we can see is the cause of foolish thinking. What happened was people who don't recognize God, his eternal power and Godhead, divine nature, and they, and they don't glorify and thank God, they become foolish and they're going to worship something. They come up with their own idols and they worship those. And so that's the cause of foolish thinking. That's why someone who looks at abortion one way versus another way, the foolish thinking is because they have never recognized God and glorified God and thanked God for what he did. So that's the cause of foolish thinking. So let's look now at the consequence of foolish thinking. What is the consequence of foolish thinking? So in verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So the first thing he talks about is that God gave them over. So God gave over, gave them to lust to do things that would dishonor their bodies. Okay, which we're talking about sin here, right? And who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So, Here's what happens. God now allows them to have their, their, their lust. And he's talking about, and, we're, and, and the first thing he talks about, which is sort of interesting to me, because God could have picked anything he wanted to talk about, but he talks about uh, sexual lust. right? And we'll get into that in a second. But why, in verse 25, because... They changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature. We're serving science, creation, whatever we want to call it, um, more than the creator. So, so what happened is God allowed this lust to occur within somebody because what? Because they, they didn't worship God. They didn't serve God. Okay, and then verse 26 for this cause, God gave them over to a vile affections, for even their woman did change the natural use of that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which is, was met. So he's talking about sexual immorality here, and in particular he's talking about what? Homosexuality. So a man... God designed in a marriage relationship a man and a woman. And if you're married, and even if you're not married, there is a natural attraction, and I'll use the word lust, although we always look at lust negatively, but godly lust is a good thing. A man has a desire for a woman, and a woman has a desire. And that's a natural Emotion, I don't know, emotion's not the right word. It's a natural desire that, that people have. And that's God-given. And that's part of what God gave. And that's why he talks about marriage, the two shall become one flesh. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Right? And so God said about that. And now, what happened? Because of what? Because they rejected God. They didn't glorify God. They didn't thank God. God has now given them over to lust between two men and two women. 
right? That's what exactly what it says here, right? Now, it's very amazing to me that that people try to say, well, this is okay to do this because there's a natural lust between two men and two women. Well, the Bible says there's going to be a lust here. That's not that's true. So what? That's nothing to do with it. But the problem is the lust is there because they rejected God. And that natural lust between a man and a woman is now replaced by what? A lust between two men and two women. Right? And so what he's saying here is the consequence of of rejecting God is, and again, there's a whole bunch of consequences. We're not, we're going to just, the Bible has this one first, so I'm going through it first, even though it's probably not the popular thing to talk about. It's the Word of God. But this natural lust between a man and a woman has been distorted between two men and then between two women. And so we can see here that this, that that's one of the first consequences was this, 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 this mindset. And then look at verse um, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, again, they didn't glorify, or, they didn't, they didn't glorify God or thank God, and they rejected God, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So now, not only did they, and again, I don't know why God puts homosexuality first. But I believe there must be a reason. But then, he talks about a bunch of other things too. And the whole idea here is uh, a reprobate mind, which would be um, an unprincipled or deprived mind. So somebody that has a reprobate mind, they're thinking totally different than you are. Hopefully, if you, hopefully you don't have a reprobate mind. But it's like a deprived mind. They're just, they're just, they're, and it's not like they, they sincerely believe what they're saying. It's not like they're, they're doing something different. So they have a reprobate mind. And then look at the things. Um, it says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So, the action that they do is caused by what? The reprobate mind. Right? So, when you're talking to somebody about abortion and women's rights, the reprobate mind, the action is just a result of what they believe. Right? So, so the action is not the, 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 the difference, it's what they believe. Okay? So the whole idea there, and look at this, this list in verse 29 and 30 and 31. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Okay, so let me just um, go with that. So I'm going to just run down this, this whole idea. The, so the first one is fornication, which is various kinds of unlawful sexual intercourse. Um, wickedness, which would be sinfulness, iniquity. So the whole idea that they're wicked people. Um, Covetousness would be like greedy, somebody that's greedy, and there's a lot of greed going on. Uh, maliciousness, which would be malice, desire to cause pain, injury, or distress another. So this is like somebody hurts me, I'm going to get even. I'm going to have the attitude that I want to get even. You know, you do something to me, I'm going to do something to you, but I'm going to do it worse, right? Uh, full of envy, the whole idea of um, jealousy, murder, 
Um, but the Bible also teaches that anger is the same thing as murder. So it's like being angry at people. Uh, debate, strife, discord, like to argue with somebody just for the sake of argument. Right? Let's have a debate. Well, yeah, but it's really just an argument. Uh, deceit, uh, treachery, the whole idea, uh, malignity, uh, craftiness, malice, um, whispers, gossipers, talebearers. I mean, look at this list of, of these things. Backbiters, slanderous, haters of God. Do you ever see anybody hate God today? They, don't, they reject God, but then they also hate God. They hate us because we love God. Uh, despiteful, violent, insolent, proud, um, arrogant, haughty, uh, boasters, uh, a braggart, somebody that brags, you know, that, that, you know, look what I did, look what I've accomplished. Inventors of evil, well, uh, you know, the whole idea of uh, inventors of evil things, you know, well, if there's anything missing, they, they're inventing more evil things to do, right? Um, disobedient to parents, you know, what's the fifth commandment? Honor your parents, right? And, and many of us, as your parents get older, you, 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 know, you obey your parents when they're young, and then when they're older, you sort of help them and help provide for them, right? Take care of them, right? Obey, disobeying parents. Um, without under, um, disobedient. Um, yeah, okay, wait. I lost my line here. Um, hey, hey uh, proud, boastful, ben, uh, disobedient. Oh, disobedient to parents, yeah. Without understanding, uh, foolishness, Covenant breakers, uh, faithless, untrustworthy. You know, the whole idea of like, you know, let's make a contract and break it. Without natural affection, uh, unloving, without affection, unfeeling, heartless. Um, who, um, and then uh, implicable, the whole idea of it, irreconcilable. You know what, no matter what I do, I'm not going to make you happy. Right? They're unreconcilable. Unmerciful, uh, ruthless, the whole idea. So, when we look at this list, what's missing? I don't know. I didn't study it long enough to try to figure out what's missing, and I don't think I want to. But what's the problem? The consequence of rejecting God. He gives this, this he talks about the sexual thing first. But then he adds in all these things that we see rampant in the world today. And what's the, the back, going back to the cause? Rejection of God, not seeing God, not glorifying God, and not thanking God. That's the cause. And the consequence is all these sins. And so we can see that there's, um, and it gets even worse. Look at verse 32. Who, know, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do they do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So not only do they do all these sins that I just mentioned, they also take pleasure in others who do the same thing, right? And they, what they do now is they say, this is no longer wrong, right? This sin is no longer wrong. It's right. Uh, two men living together or being married or whatever you want to call it is not sin anymore, right? And, and we can go down this whole list, you know, um, you know, all these things, they, they say, you know, it's not no longer sin. And so what happens is they not only agree with them, but they're saying that, you know, this is okay. And so the, the consequence of rejecting God is all these sins and even getting to the point where we say, this sin is like not a sin anymore. 
And we see that in our society today. Many things that we would look at as sin, our society says is no longer sin. Right? So that's the consequence. So, so what's the correction? How do you fix this problem? Well, there, there is a, the Bible talks about that. There is only one way to correct foolish thinking. There's only one way. And it requires a two-step process. You thought I was going to say one-step process, didn't you? But it requires actually a two-step process. There's this two-step process. The first step um, is going back to Romans 1.19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. So the first step is we need to know God. We need to go back and know that there's a God, that the God has the eternal God that created. And so the first step is we need to know God. We need to know that there's a God. Now, we have additional revelation than what's listed in here in Romans one twenty. We know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ came to do what? Reveal God to us. So we know God through Jesus Christ. So we know God through Jesus Christ and Jesus taught us the way to God. And then Jesus went to the cross and he died for our sin. And if we accept him as our Lord and Savior, his, his gift to us is that we become blameless before God and we can be in God's presence and we can be saved and we can be with God. So the first step is that we need to go know God. And the, remember, the cause of all this problem is what? Is rejection of God and knowing God. So the first step is we need to know God. So um, we need to know God and we need to know Him. And, and it's, 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 it's amazing because... In the book of Romans, which we've been focused on, Romans chapter one, chapter one, um, just now turn to Romans chapter three, verse twenty-one, um, and Paul is building up this argument, saying, "Hey, you guys have rejected God. Your foolish thinking. You have all these consequences." And then he says in verse twenty-one, Romans three twenty-one. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what's the sin? All these things are a consequence of what? Rejecting God. Okay? Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare the righteousness for the remission of sins and that are passed through the forbearance of God. So, what happens is, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are saved. But what happens is, we now know God. And so, the problem in Romans 1 was what? Not knowing God, not seeing God's eternal power and divine nature, rejecting God was the cause, and a consequence was a reprobate mind. But now, 
we can know God. So we can know God, and as we know God, God removes or heals, I don't know what the right word is, uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ we're redeemed, and we now can be the person that God wants us to be. So the first correction for faulty thinking or foolish thinking is to know God. Now, if this, and again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to have foolish thinking. You can't, you can't avoid it. So, if you really want to think properly, you need to accept Christ as your Savior. Right? So we can talk about that. If anybody doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, let's talk about that and we can talk about foolish thinking. So that's the first thing. So the second step is, so my question to you would be, why isn't everyone in our church morally upright and why don't we have any problems in our church? Right? So if, if the if the cause was rejecting God and the, correct, and, and the consequence was a reprobate mind and if we accept Christ as our Savior, then why do we still have reprobate minds? Why do people in our church and in, in the church, in the, in the global church, um, still... You know, why would somebody in the church still say abortion is okay? And there are people in the church that say that, right? Why are there people in the church that say these things? And so, if they're saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, you would think, well, they're, they're fine. Well, there's a second step. And what it talks about is, uh, and let's, let turn, let's look at Romans chapter 8. Um, and it says, one of the things that happens is when you're saved, you're what? You're filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Romans 8, chapter 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So that's us, if we're saved, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So here's the problem. You can be saved... And you can be walking after what? The flesh. You, you, you have the Holy Spirit and God wants you to walk after what? The Spirit. But you have a choice. You can walk after the flesh. And so he's saying, look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. If I choose to walk after the flesh after I'm saved, guess what? I'm still going to be sinful and have a reprobate mind. It's the Holy Spirit that, that, that brings my thinking in line with the Word of God. And actually, if, if you want to come back tonight, um, we're going to talk, uh, tonight's sermon, um, so, so today's was foolish thinking for those outside the church. Tonight's sermon is going to be foolish thinking for those inside the church. And we're going to go into a whole bunch more about this or I'm just touching on it a little bit this morning because you know what the church many churches in our church there's a lot of foolish thinking going on here we're worldly thinking we're not thinking biblically we're thinking worldly and so we've chosen to walk after what the flesh instead of after the spirit and so 
If we want to correct our foolish thinking, it's a two-step process. It's what? Salvation, knowing God again, and what? Walking after the Spirit. And God, guess what? God's given you the Holy Spirit. You have the ability to walk after the Spirit. But you can choose to do what you want. God gives us a free will. And you can choose to walk after the Spirit or after the flesh. And so, what the, this two-step process is to walk after the Spirit and the flesh. So let me, let me give you an example of this. Um, and this is from the Bible. And this is a classic example of someone who, who had a reprobate mind, who was walking after the flesh, and gets saved, and his mind got turned around as he started walking by the Spirit. So let's look at um, uh, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 7. Um, Acts chapter 7, verse um, 58. And as soon as I start this, you'll know who the person is. Um, but it's somebody that, that most of us probably would look up to. And this is, in Acts chapter 7, um, they're describing the time when Stephen was being martyred for his faith. Remember Stephen? Um, remember they stoned him to death, uh, and as he was... He, he was talking about, he was, he was going through the history of Israel and they were all fine with that until he talked about Jesus Christ. And then he got upset with them and stoned them. <clears throat> and then in verse 58 it says, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. So they're st- stoning Stephen. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was, what? Saul. Now, we all know that Saul was also became Paul. Right? So this is, so let, let, let's use what his name is. And so they, they put their clothes at the feet of Saul, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, and this is Stephen saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So they stoned Stephen, and he falls asleep. But look at uh, eight, Acts 8, 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which, it, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to, be bur- to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and, and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. So what does Saul, or Paul, whatever, let's call him Saul, whatever we want to call him. What was happening? He was passionate about Judaism. He was there, you know, like, you know, if you've been, I don't know, when I was younger, they allowed more fighting, I guess. They still do fighting today, but we would fight kids sometimes in school. And, you know, they would say, I'll hold your coat, right? That means they want you to do the fighting. Like, I'll hold your coat. That, that, maybe that's what Saul was doing. He was saying, like, I'll hold your coat, guys, while you guys go kill him, right? But I'm, I'm supporting you, right? And um, he then was passionate about that. Now, if we told Paul to stop doing this, would he have stopped? No, because he had a reprobate mind. In his mind... These Christians, or the, well, I guess they didn't, they, they, they didn't call them Christians then, but these Christians were wrong and needed to be destroyed. 
And he was going around and he was doing what he felt was the God's will. So he would be trying to change Paul's mind to say, Paul, what are you doing? You're killing, you're, 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 putting, you're persecuting the church. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and you're persecuting him. Paul would have said, you're, you know, he would have probably put you in jail, right? He had no compassion. And so you can see his mind, the consequence of his sin was that he had this mind that he was out to, to, to kill people, right? Um, look at Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. So Paul goes all the way to the high priest and declared of him letters to, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, and that's what they called the Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So Paul was so passionate about his, his feelings about this. And we see this today. People are passionate about things with foolish thinking. Paul had this foolish thinking. He not only wanted to get the, Jews, the, the Christians in, 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 in um, Jerusalem, he wanted to go where? To Antioch, and, and, or Damascus rather, and get them there. So he was, he, was wanted, he was so passionate about this, he wanted to get these people and get them there. Right, and then, um, and, and and then we know that on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to Paul. Paul is blinded. Paul goes. Um, he's presented the gospel. That he, he's able to see, and he becomes a believer. And then look at um, Acts chapter nine, verse twenty. So Paul becomes a believer, and look what he does. And straight away, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. What happened? What happened to Paul's foolish thinking? What happened to his reprobate mind? All of a sudden, this guy who's passionate, he's so passionate, he goes to the high priest and gets permission to go get the people in Damascus to stop this. God works in him and he gets to know God and once he knows God, what happens? His foolish thinking immediately goes away. And he's, and so when you talk about the correction of faulty thinking, did Paul get corrected pretty quickly here? Absolutely. And so what we see here is, and again, we know a lot about Paul and we, a lot of things. And, you know, I, I, did Paul walk after the Spirit? Obviously, nobody works, work, walks perfectly after the Spirit because we all have that sinful nature still in us, and we'll talk about that tonight. But Paul strived to walk after the Spirit. And in this example here, he walked after the Spirit to share Christ. Now, you've, hopefully you've been saved. If you're not, let's talk about that after the service. But if you've been saved, is your salvation less spectacular than Paul's? I don't think so. I mean, it would be nice if Jesus appeared to you and you had a flashing light and all that. That would be nice. But our salvation is no less than Paul's. Our salvation is just as miraculous as his is. And God works in Paul in a miraculous way and he works in each one of us just as miraculous today. And so, when we walk 
after the Spirit, after we're saved, God will correct all our faulty thinking, all our foolish thinking. And we'll think biblically about every topic. Now, we have to study God's Word and pray, and we'll talk more about that tonight. There's a lot of things that have to happen, and it's not like it's instantaneous. Although, and, you know, Paul did this, but then we, talk, we hear about Paul going off, spending a couple of years studying the Word of God before he went out as a missionary. So it wasn't like Paul, you know. And again, I've seen this too, and it's really an amazing thing. When somebody gets truly saved, many times they're telling everybody about Jesus, right? And so that's what Paul did here. But we can see here an example where God can correct faulty thinking. So, so maybe we, we're taking the wrong approach in the world today. We have a bunch of issues going on, and I mentioned abortion and guns and all this other stuff, right? And we approach it like trying to have a debate and trying to argue these things. And, and again, maybe some of that's appropriate. But really, maybe the real thing is they need to know God. Because you know what? That's the cure. That's the correction for foolish thinking. We can talk to your blue in the face to try to convince somebody of something. But the real cure is to know God. So what's the cause of foolish thinking? It's rejection of God. Rejection of who God is. And what's the consequence? A reprobate mind. And what's the... I, I, I used the word correction, but maybe I should have used cure. I like that too. What's the correction or the cure for foolish thinking? To no, go back to knowing God again. Because when you know God and you walk in the Spirit, you're not going to have foolish thinking. Let's pray. Lord, your word is so amazing. We look at our world today and there are so many insurmountable problems that we see. And we could look at this and feel hopeless because there's just so much and there's just so much foolish thinking going on and we know that we can talk and talk and talk and, they, and, and we're not going to change anything. But your word, your word gives us the cure or correction for foolish thinking. It's not, it's not arguing. It's not debating. It's getting people to know God. And when people know God, and specifically when they know about your son Jesus Christ who died for their sins, they are promised and given the Holy Spirit. And as they become part of a discipleship and be part of a church, they walk with you, Lord, and you enable them to, 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 have, to, to have clear thinking, biblical thinking, Lord, to follow the Word of God and to serve you, Lord. And that, Lord, is the the cure for all the foolish thinking going on today, Lord, that your Son, Jesus Christ, died for us. Help us, Lord, to be able to let people know about God. Let people know about His Son, Jesus Christ. And let people know about God. And then, Lord, as they do know about Him, that we would come alongside them and enable them to study the Word of God, to learn to walk with the Spirit, and to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.